Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the AB Testing Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And it is a beautiful, sunny Friday afternoon here in the Pacific Northwest. Pushing 80 today, I think, right? Oh, shit. That's Fahrenheit. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, I've been having trouble sleeping lately because my, it's been too hot in the bedroom. Title of your sex tape. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's completely, uh, yeah. Dog and I took a hike to Poo Poo Point yesterday. Um, what? Poo Poo Point. Not familiar with it. Is this uh, some place in your neck of the, the it woods? It is. It is. It's uh, if you've ever driven by Issaquah or the Quah, as the kids call it, you ever see the uh, the parachuters floating around no. south of I ninety? There's a mm-hmm. hill they just they just run and jump off of. Oh, really? Yeah. So and, it's pretty cool. That, Good little hike. That's that's why it's called Poo Poo Point. No, because- I know. And then I don't know if you saw there was someone during the pandemic, someone bicycled for the fun of it. They decided they're going to bicycle from Poo Poo Point in Issaquah to Pee Pee Creek in like Iowa, just just because they thought it was funny. I I I, uh, I appreciate that humor. Yeah, but it was good. So on one side is they take off and you can see the lake and all the way toward it. And then just you kind of cut down. There's another clearing on the other side where you can see all the way to Mount Rainier. So that's pretty cool. But anyway, we did that. Yeah. Anything else big and cool going on in your world? I, uh, as of last week, I am a, a proud dad of a graduated um, student. My eldest is is done with his bachelor's he he uh double majored in in psychology as well as creative writing uh forced him to take the bachelor of science version of psychology so it was heavily uh, math driven by the way yeah have your kids your kids gone out to college yet uh my oldest is in running start so he's he's basically oh, in college he's yeah, so one of the deals I made with with uh, my kids. So we have what's the Washington get? What is that? The wacky number that's like a five zero two eight seven program. I don't I don't remember where you can pre sort of buy credits for college. Yeah, I did the, that. The, the Washington one is kind of weird and sucky. We actually invest ours in New York's program, but you can use the money anywhere. Oh, I I'm I've been very happy with the Washington one. But I, I honestly didn't. I haven't done much of a cross compare to determine if my decision was something I should regret. Anyway, one of the things I've told told both of my boys that, that are in college is essentially, I have the money put away to pay for your degree. But there's a condition. You can pick any major you want, any major you want, but it has to be a Bachelor of Science. Okay, I, I'm out of your family. I have I have Bachelor of I know my master's is, is master's in music, but it's my bachelor. It's a bachelor of arts in music education. Yep. And a bachelor and a bachelor of music in music composition. I double majored as well. My son started off. He got applied. He got into the, the psych program. He's done exceptionally well there, but he has a real passion for, 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 for creative writing. 
And one day he called me up. He's like, dad, I'm just telling you transparently, I found a loophole in your strategy and I've already executed on it. And I said, okay, what's this loophole? He's like, you said, you said I have to graduate with a BS. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. He's like, okay, well, I'm double majoring and my creative writing degree is going to be a BA. And I said, son, good for you. <laughs> like, like, Very cool. I am always big fan of people getting a degree in the humanities. Good for him. Well, Winner. he's... Winning. He got he got two degrees in in the humanities. I do think psychology counts, even though it is a, a BS. The the thing I, I I was trying to balance him out with, and he's he generally tends towards the humanities, but I wanted to balance him out with because there's a large degree of humanity majors. In my view, you can't really make a living with. Well, right? and again, if you want me to get on that soapbox, you don't go to a university as a vocational school. If you want to. Go to school to get a job. Go to a vocational school. Go to a university to learn critical thinking and how to learn. Uh, of course, there are going to be some skills that are going to help you land a job, but I think you are better suited and more adaptable to different kinds of work with a humanities degree as long as you have the supporting other education to get. It's so hard to get a job out of college, but uh, I... I do not believe that a university is a vocational school. So I do not buy this argument of what are you going to do with a creative writing degree? And maybe, maybe he writes 75 novels. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, and I don't want to waste the whole podcast because many no, things. We, can, we you, got stuff to talk about. What do we, I'm going to edit all many this of the anyway. things, Many of the things you just said, I, I, uh, Unlike uh, the other topics we're going to get to, many of the things you just said, I disagree with. But okay, uh, well, yeah, that, we can okay. talk about it that later. It just means that you're wrong. So let's get on with the podcast, <laughs> and because I'm very passionate about this, and it's because I'm right. So anyway, uh, are you ready? Can we go on? Can we can we hit topic numero uno? Yes. Topic numero uno. This week I spoke at Testing Festival, a large online test conference and I didn't really speak well I spoke at it but what I did is a couple things I want to talk to you about and share with our listeners because it's all about modern testing I did two things back to back first thing was I gave a talk but I gave the talk last week no I gave it to my dog last week I recorded it I was gonna put the link in my the it's on YouTube and I was gonna put the link in my five for Friday but it's still unlisted and I didn't want to undermine any plans the testing festival folks had for a larger unveiling of the talk. But my talk is on YouTube, and I'll share it at some point. But the talk was all about principle number, which way, uh, shoot, which one's about equality culture? <laughs> I almost said five, but five's about customer data. It's like four, right? Remember when we used to have these memorized hours? <laughs> We're so bad. <laughs> Uh, We're so bad. I should have so looked I, that up. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty certain that we have all of the controversial ones memorized. We do. Um, we know the ones people complain about. But here's the thing, Alan, and I'll do what? it for you right now. The way you can answer this question is simply by going to moderntesting.org. Yes. And at moderntesting.org, which is the one that talks about equality culture? 
Ah, you did it. Nice job. Number four. Yeah. So exactly. (laughs) Again, because I'm right yet again, uh, I gave a talk on leading a quality culture and introducing the quality culture guide. And it's just a, just a 25 minute talk. I gave a little bit of an intro on how it came about. I didn't go through the whole thing. I talked about the low level and the high level of the transition guide, talked about why I don't like maturity models. I think it's a pretty good talk primarily because I was able to edit it a little bit before I submitted it to take out the crummy parts. And that worked out very well. So that was the talk I gave. And we had someone join our Slack after that talk and say, Oh yeah, I've been, I've, I've been looking for what we always hear. I've been looking for a name for what we've been doing. And it was cool. Uh, Welcome. Welcome to our community. So anyway, that talk, uh, nothing new here. It's really me going over the quality culture transition guide and with some intro to prep, like how it came about and why I think it's important for the audience there in hindsight, as I got to know them during the panel discussion, maybe just reminding them that quality is a lot more than testing, which you and I get. And I think our regular listeners get, but man, I'm never have a lack of surprise on how others forget or live in a different world than we do. I always wonder about the size of the bubble we live in. Yeah. It's interesting to do sort of checks. Like, so one question, I think you began the answer to it is so they obviously you recorded it. They obviously had some sort of, I'm guessing a scheduled time where, where somebody clicked the button and played it back. How was sort of feedback or interaction? Did that happen? So uh, it, So good segue, and you didn't plan it to be, but so the way it worked out was I did a panel discussion with uh, Alan Richardson, Alan number one, or Scottish Alan, depending how you want to refer to him, and uh, Dot Graham, Dorothy Graham, and Paul Gerard both facilitated and took part in the panel afterwards. And we took some questions there, and some were about the quality culture, but a lot were fun because I got to disagree with the other panelists. <laughs> and that's always a good time for me. Uh, well, uh, I, I, wait, it was wait, fun. Wait. It, go ahead. Go ahead. Ask questions. I'm going to tell you all the fun I had. Did you have, because uh, here's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining you got to do an encore to the modern test manager versus traditional test no, manager. It, it wasn't that bad. Like you were oh, okay. over the top well-rehearsed excellent so there was no encore so it wasn't like that okay they pushed my butt some of the questions just teed up things we've been talking about for example there was a question around will ml replace testing and i got to roll my eyes but also get on my little soapbox about how the the new record and playback automated testing tools have changed my mind about the value of record and playback and i actually think that it's a better way to do your UI automation than actually writing crap. And so I got to, I got to go on that whole yeah, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so that one, that one based off of how you said it last time, it's because of the ML. Yes, absolutely. That, that, it's not, that it's, it's not, it's yeah. Every, what? every single year, some, every day, someone's worried about the robots taking away their jobs. I remember listening to the radio 10 years ago 
And Amazon's warehouse is going to have some robots, which they do, that automate some of their picking for shipping. And people were freaking out. Oh, people are going to lose their jobs. Now, there's always more stuff to do. So uh, let's automate the boring stuff. So that was one. But another one was, but someone brought up the whole testing as information providers. Oh! <laughs> and I marched right up to the top of my soapbox and went off for a little bit on exactly what you think I would go off on. <laughs> and then there was a reply. And the best part was on the reply, Alan Richardson said, I think you're digging yourself deeper into your hole. Not me to them. It was, so it was, it was good. The, but the thing was with that group, it was a very respectful debate because those are all okay. those people get it. They they see different points of view. They don't dig in their heels and talk about epistemology or, or social sciences and how I'm wrong because I haven't studied the right books. Uh, it was actually a respectful debate around what we see and people bending in the right places to understand different contexts. So it was actually really cool. But I got to dissent and bring in my new view or my our view of modern testing within that panel discussion, which was a ton of fun. I am looking forward to that. Yeah, I don't know if they if they hopefully they recorded that and they're gonna share that part too. Well you said it was up on YouTube. No, my my 25 minute talk is on YouTube. I do not oh. know if they recorded the panel discussion. Hopefully oh. they did. That's where all the that's the money. I know. I know. No one wants I, to hear you babble on again about I the same. I recorded sh- it from my end. Like I'm just gonna press record on. Oops. I don't know what I could have done. Yeah, Oops, there was. Sorry. It was fun. <laughs> it was your typical questions, and I wish I still had them in front of me. But maybe I should dig out a copy. They're on some site somewhere, and you and I can do another round of traditional test manager versus modern test manager answering the questions. And this time, I get to play the traditional. All right, but. I did a pretty good job being traditional. And I can't remember who brought this up or where it came up, but I'm still surprised how many people really, really, really hate the test automation pyramid. Because it's upside down and backwards? No. And and again, I brought up my point and actually, and if people don't like it because I, I get why they don't like it. And mostly it's because you can't always make your tests fit that model. But again, my insight that I came up with, I'm I'm sure I'm not the first one, but it really made sense to me when I realized the testing pyramid reflects the number of tests you have when your application is well-designed. Often you're writing more and more UI automation tests when your application is designed because you have to test the logic in the UI. Right. Right. It's essentially they're designing the tests for the world where you don't need the tests in some regards. Maybe. Maybe. And I I talked about also, I can't remember in which context, but I just brought up monitoring a lot and customer data, which nobody looks at. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. There's a whole, there's just people on the other side of the bubble. So that leads, and that'll be fun. If there is a like, if there is a recording it, of that panel, see, I will, I will definitely share it. You, you said who was on the panel? You, uh, Dorothy Graham, and Alan Richardson, and Paul Gerard. 
Dorothy Graham. Yeah, it's interesting. You should have brought up the ISTQB uh, oh, test. Oh, ISTQB <laughs> came up. ISTQB came up. There was a question. Are certifications important? And of course, she was involved very early on in that. And I, so I was wanted to be respectful, but everyone had their say and, and I wasn't going to say anything. But then Paul called on me and said, oh, what do you think about this? I said, look, I have no certifications. I think the courses behind the certifications, this is my actually my true feeling, but I was able to phrase it in a way that I think went over well. I said, but the courses are not about teaching testing. They've become a way to teach people to pass a test and get and get people a certification that may or not be worth anything. And it feels like the primary outcome of the certification is not better testers. It's about making money for ISTQB. The value to me is not worth, not worth what you get out of it. And Dorothy acknowledged that it turned into a money-making, I'll say scam here. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say (laughs) for out of respect, I wouldn't say that there, but it turned, it's turned into a money-making scam. Like you were, the, I mean, you remember when I asked you ISTQB questions on the, yes, they're ridiculous and they're dumb and they don't, they're just stupid. And I'm all for testing. And if, and if you're trying to hire some junior tester and, and you think if you get a certification, you'll think they will be better. That's all great. But to charge you what they do for that is, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. It's no, a total it, industry it, scam. And... <laughs> <laughs> Alan. Oh, now what happened? Yeah, no, I was just thinking through. Oh my God. Uh, how do how do I say this? We're on air cogently. You know, you know why we are seeing basically modern testing ghosts. We see it growing, but we see it grow so slowly. It's because of big test. Big test is actually suppressing the new ideas. I'm trying to construct a... a I know. A new, I, I hear yeah. you. I yeah, hear you're you. looking at me like... I know, this, I know. This I is know. The, the dumbest you know, And I thing don't care. Is. People can, they can... There's the thing. We will never do a modern testing certification. There's nope. a great course you can take if you are a Ministry of Testing Pro member. So do that, but I'm never going to... Never going to be a certification. It's all about just helping people navigate as their world is changing. And more and more when I give these talks, even if people in that other world, their world is changing. And more and more we're finding people who have their worlds already changed and will help navigate the downside too. The, The more we can help people be informed or prepared when the world does when their world does change, uh, the oh, better. I, that's what I forgot to say something. Yeah. We're old. That happens all the no, time. No, it's even better. The next test bash home, 24 hours of test talks is coming up in June and I'm doing an ask me anything on the future of automation. <laughs> I'm going to okay. fuck that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> I can show you the future of automation oh, right now. Uh, I am going to shake the world. <laughs> so you want to get into test automation. Do you now? Do you? No. Do you? Look, I uh, look. All right. Here's how we get. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm now thinking through. Brent, right, Brent it, is now the wheels. I can I can smell oh, the smoke yeah. coming through Zoom. We need we need a test automation certification. No, there are, we like a modern testing t- test automation certification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. test automation certifications exist and they suck. No, no, we're going to provide one. Okay, and all you need to do to to do this, number one. We'll create, Alan will create a video, okay? It's a, like a five-minute video show, showing how to download the dominant tools and how to set it up to do click and record. <laughs> and then, then at the end of it, it's a test to, can you accurately repeat back to, to our certification program the, the URL where you download the tool? And if you can, you've passed... The, the modern testing automation certification. All right. No. <laughs> no. Hey. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I all, love- all that's happening. Let's do a, a quick holy cow twice in a row. Last time, I don't know if you've heard, I couldn't find my original mailbag sound. I had to make a brand new one. And so I had a little fun with that. And I don't know if it's on my other computer. No, I got a new Mac. Long story. Anyway, got to find my mailbag sound. It is... Mailbag time. Mailbag. Ooh. All right. And uh, this is from uh, our friend Global Warming, Andreas Warm. Uh, he says, so BDD, right? Is that anything you think about or are you more data-driven needle moving? And BDD might be something teams are using to get results, but that doesn't really affect you? Question mark. So really, he's saying, guys, what are your opinions on BDD? Which is, of course, Brent's. I can't um, think of anything, I can't think of anything clever on Brent-driven development or behavior-driven development. So, have you done BDD, Brent? Uh, I have tried doing BDD. I, I I find TDD easier. the The problem with BDD is is the construct, right? The given when then is, is very, it's a very clean thing, but it's not natural. There you go. Okay. Let me give you a different opinion. Okay. I, I actually find it both valuable and dumb depending on how you use it. And here's the deal. BDD is excellent. And to me, 99% of the value comes from thinking about the behavior of your software and the outcomes you want from it before you begin to write it or your, or your feature or whatever you're creating. Yes. Given And so that part, super valuable. The automation part just feeds into what I call the industry infatuation with end-to-end testing. And there are tools, of course, all the Gherkin tools that you automate all this stuff. I don't care if you automate it. I got the most value out of BDD when we just defined the behaviors up front and made sure we did that as part of our uh, requirements gathering or planning. Planning, not requirements gathering. And skip the automated stuff. Didn't care. So we'd automate anyway, but I wouldn't worry about automating those given when then tests. But getting the team to agree and elaborate on those behaviors ahead of time as part of planning, massively valuable. It helped people focus on not overdeveloping or underdeveloping. They focused on exactly what the thing had to do, help them figure out 
it just so much alignment came from that. If you think of, of BDD as essentially a breakdown, I, this is how I view it. The BDD, the things that you're creating ultimately are, they're very aligned with user stories, but on a, on a very focused behavioral basis. Yeah, I agree with you. Thinking through it is absolutely valuable. I don't know. To me, it, 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 in terms of turning it into a unit test, it feels a bit overheadish. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> you for different reasons, but yeah. it doesn't turn into a unit test. turns into some, some flavor of end-to-end or integration acceptance test. And I'm all for uh, automating acceptance tests. I think if the, be- if the focus of BDD is on the behavior, so I don't like behavior-driven development. I just like, I don't care about the... Well, it is behavior-driven development, even if I only think about the behavior. I don't automate it. It's someone decided, oh, and we can automate this stuff too, and people get focused on the automation, and th- that's but, not where the value is. It, it, it could help, but it's not where the value is for me. Yeah, in, in terms of both BDD or TDD, like the biggest value of that is to drive a thoughtful process that that forces you to, number one, get Get your tests up, done up front. Uh, number two, uh, which is the biggest value, which is to design your classes better. In some regards, I don't really care if, if people go with yeah, BDD I, or TDD. I just want people, if you whatever technique you want to make sure that you think about what a little bit of ready aim fire versus ready fire aim. Think a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish before you race off to the compiler. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and then and part of global global vermin's uh question was is that anything you think about or are you more data driven and needle moving? And what how did you interpret the or because to me it's both. Yeah, I, I those aren't those aren't yeah, I, I kind of ignored that because I didn't I didn't think about it that much, but mm. uh we are more data driven. And I'm always moving that needle. What I do is I, I, my role, actually, I'm managing so many damn people now. I don't even get to do much coaching anymore, but uh, showing it as an option. If people do planning, because one of the things I do a lot, and now I've delegated most of that, is helping teams understand how to do better planning because we believe our engineers should own their own project management. So part of helping them think about how to do their estimates and planning is frequently I'll walk through what BDD is and I'll give them my same speech, the values and the behavior, not in the automation, and they can use it if they want. Right. It, it, it's um, completely agree. I, I do think, again, the value proposition in my mind is, is you think through it. I, I, I'm still connecting the dots to the data-driven and needle loop. To me, having a good design of your architecture is needle-moving. It 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 because I've experienced it over and over again. It, it's it's um, replatting architecture because you did something screwed up in the first place is hard. So any anything that gives you a tool that helps you to go, like you've said it before, devs are lazy, right? It, it, anything that says, okay, how can I design this way so I don't have I have to do less work later? Hey Brent, you know what this sound is? No. That's us beating the dead horse. Oh, okay. 
So I, I have one other topic, which is open-ended and maybe fun. Okay. Let's talk about DevOps. Okay. What the hell is DevOps? So first of all, uh, let me get into the three ways of DevOps first, which we've talked about before on here. So there's the three ways of DevOps that Gene Kim came up with. The first way is all about flow and systems thinking. That's modern testing. The second way is to amplify the feedback loops. A little bit of modern testing. And the third way is build a culture of continual experimentation and learning. Also modern testing. So on one hand, lots of parallels between the what we think about in modern testing and the three ways of DevOps. But I noticed some interesting parallels this week in, I saw an article come out and and I can't even remember what it was, but I realized something and I tweeted it and it was one of those things where I tweeted and people said, uh, yeah, Alan, you just noticed some things now, which is that, well, Brent, what is DevOps? Well, the way you described it, DevOps, honestly, is nothing more than CICD. And then I'm thinking through that. You were around in the old days of, and we had this definitely in the early 2000s at Microsoft where we built some services and we chucked them over the wall for operations to deploy right. and maintain. So so where did DevOps come from? And that's essentially this brand new concept where Dev owns the operation of the crap that they yeah. built. Yeah. Right. So DevOps was originally introduced, well, it, it's introduced as a culture where the wall between developer and operations is non-existent. Right. In many ways, like my view is that it, it enables a you build it, you run it culture. All good. But what I've seen more and more, which scares me, is people will have, a team will have a DevOps person or a DevOps team. And what that DevOps team does is the operational stuff we saw people do 20 years ago at Microsoft. They're an operations team. They're calling them DevOps. It, it, it scares me because it it's backward. And, no, it, it's... But if we look I, at what DevOps does, you know what it does? It accelerates the achievement of shippable quality. Acceler we're talking about feedback loops and amplifying feedback loops and culture of experimentation. As DevOps, that's also modern testing. Uh, it, I don't know. I mean, it, it accelerating the achievement of shippable quality. That's a big umbrella, right? It, it, it's, it's, there's a of lot of things, is. right? But what I'm saying is two things. One is your DevOps team does not exist to do your operations for you or to do your DevOps for you. Well, no. So the problem is, is that they probably do. The prop. Well, I know the problem is you have a DevOps team, but I think DevOps has. It's become the fancy name for an infrastructure team. You often, especially at like the scale of Unity, we need a team that can do the high-level management of our cloud platform, our CI/CD systems, uh, to make sure everyone, make sure we have some consistency available in what CI pipelines you use, how you get your code deployed. We don't want everyone to have to invent their own stuff, but definitely it's the you build it, you run it culture. I, I think... Like a team, a team called the DevOps team, in my view, their job should be not to operate 
the the code the devs servicing, but their job, much like what we talked about with modern testing, their job is to construct, maintain, and encourage the DevOps culture. Right. Well, what I'm seeing, not just in the three ways being similar to the principles or the intent we have with the principles, like I'm seeing a lot more parallels between and again, I think having a DevOps team can be a little bit of a, a little bit of a smell, depending on what they actually do. But we talk about teams not needing a dedicated QA person in modern testing. I think right. like the way my teams function is we have high functioning teams with deploying dozens of times a day and with very, very little interaction or even questions from my team. They're basically function they're they don't need our help. They're they're running everything on their own. Some teams need a little bit more hand holding and they'll all get there. But they don't need a dedicated and again, we wouldn't embed someone on their team like with a tester, but they don't need dedicated DevOps help. They have it figured out. They actually have adopted the culture completely. So my team exists to help people get to that culture of DevOps and get to that culture of quality. Okay. Lots of parallels. I've been thinking about this, lots of parallels. So I don't think AB DevOps has the right sound. So we'll stick with AB <laughs> testing. But uh, yeah. we had a C, like we can go ABC DevOps. We, oh, what if we brought someone with the letter C onto the podcast? Uh, I have told you before, we should just rename to AB checking. Yes, because that's important. (laughs) Then then you have your ABCD. I took a little dig in my testing festival talk. Once it's out, you'll see it. I I talk about (laughs) loud voices in testing, throwing out models because... Uh, Well, yeah, actually, uh, Steve Rowe, and I think he talked, I think one of the times, it's been a long time. We should bring him yeah, back. Steve, yeah, Steve, what's he doing now? We should have him back on and find out. We can just yeah, uh, check in with Steve. But he he talked about how uh, one of those loud voices was just riddled with lot logical fallacies. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, know, I know exactly. Yes. I just ignore. I, I mean, I try to ignore it, but it, it's fun to pick at it, too. The nice thing, the nice thing about the three, right? I don't know if you paid attention to the thread on the Slack channel, but I was getting, I was getting geared up, uh, um, uh, to to like this, this whole language debate on testing versus checking. It's dumb, and it just needs to go away. And I was getting all riled up and go, okay, how do I help make this go away? But the three meant. This is one of the things I really love about our community. The three was just like, look, Brent, you're not seeing all the data. We see it better than you in in some regards, and I agree. And they are actually living in a increasingly shrinking bottle bubble from 1998. Yeah. They basically basically they didn't say this explicitly, but they said, look, our time is not is better spent helping people move to the future. Not like the, the past is killing themselves all by themselves. They don't need our help. Agreed. That's it. All right. 
Now, a real important thing. So you went to the testing testing festival. I've been meaning to ask. Yes. Right? Why is it not called the testival? I, I was not involved in the creation of it. Oh, all right. Fair enough. It should be. I'm thinking it should be. So I, I wanted to, um, I wasn't quite done with DevOps. Yeah, please go uh, back to it. Like, it. like the one thing too that I'll also say, it's interesting that you're like, hey, Brent, sudden insight. Hey, modern testing is very similar to DevOps. Uh, yeah. yeah um, good, Alan. Good. Good boy. I'm so glad. Like I'm, I'm with them on Alan. Really? Okay, sure. But do you realize? Like I don't, I don't know. DevOps, DevOps. Number one, it's not deployed very well. It's also number two. It's also another thing on its way to to die, right? I, as I mentioned, uh, I'm trying to find on the web. Like there was, there were all sorts of star ops things and right now one of them is ai ops and even ai ops is is on its way out yeah i think all these things ops are i mean devops to me there's all stuff on test ops or DevSecOps or dev test ops uh to me they're all devops because devops is all about getting rid of the walls because they are bottlenecks and in modern testing, we don't like bottlenecks. And one thing I like to point out, Brent, is I know you're nodding your head on, yeah, these are the same. But remember, the podcast is not for you; it's for the three people that listen to it. And and they may and they may nod their heads too. But I want to go ahead and plant the seed anyway. It, is is that the rationalization you're going to use? All right. Yeah. All right. So here's my question. Here's my question. All right. Um, can you automate DevOps? Or is it, or or is it, or do you do manual DevOps or automated DevOps? Um, <laughs> there's obviously a trap there somewhere. Because real DevOps can't be done, can't be automated. I'm, I'm just making oh. up stuff based on you, now, now. You're catching on. You're not doing DevOps. Oh, you're doing. I don't know. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'm trying I'm to make doing... up something. Dev dumbass. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 don't yeah. know I, I get what you're going. Yeah. Uh, let's have a, no, that's that. It, it's not DevOps. That's, that is modern testing, right? I, I'm actually looking through, I, I just happened to come into a, a page that says, what's the difference between DevOps and agile. And unfortunately the webpage I'm on uh, is not, saying oh. friggin' nothing. So <laughs> uh, this came up once. I was in a conversation. I can't remember what forum it was on. It may have been Reddit. Uh, I can't. It must have been about one of my articles or something, but someone was saying that, well, Ag we're moving on from Agile. I said, what? We're moving on from Agile? Yeah, Agile's old news. Now we're doing DevOps. I thought, what the f***? It's the same thing thing um it's not it's not and I, I just glanced through it and i understand what they're saying agile is a set of um, practices geared around the process okay devops is is actually much more of a technical practice no so, it's 
It, so Agile the, is there is principles around delivering frequent customer value. And DevOps, it, with that one in mind, DevOps is an implementation strategy. DevOps enables. Yeah, it's but there, you don't move from one to the other. Is my point. Mm-hmm. But you there. you also like uh, the thing I'm reading right now. Well, says, let me ask you this: Can you be agile with a separate ops team? Uh, not in my definition, but yeah, mine neither. Uh, but a can lot you of, be agile if you have? If wait, you wait, have, wait, wait, wait! A lot of chucking people, stuff over the wall at any. A lot of people. Step? A lot of people still today view Scrum as agile. Well, they're stupid, right? And and in a Scrum model, absolutely, you can chuck things over. Yeah, that that just angers me. And and the there's too much ritual around Scrum. I let teams do it if they want because I don't. Yeah, whatever. But. And again, actually, Scrum can be very good, but too many teams turn it into mini waterfall and it drives me freaking crazy. So anyway, go yes. on. Now, I was just saying, like, Agile, uh, I was actually re- writing up a, I've been asked to do this and I've been revisiting the Galazzo deck. Right? Oh, it, yeah. The, yeah, the, the famous Galazzo deck. The famous... Brent's too lazy to actually get off his butt and publish it like he keeps promising year over year over year over year. Well, maybe after the pandemic's over, it can be presented at Modern Testing Conference. Maybe. Maybe. Be happy to do that. By that time, that certainly would be enough motivation. Why hasn't there been an online Modern Testing Conference yet? Uh, Same reason. Same reason as usual. Sounds like work. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like to me, uh, an agile practice is is one that achieves three goals simultaneously. It adds confirmed value, reduces calendar time, and reduces engineering time. That that sort of anything that does that in my mind. Uh, How does it reduce calendar time? Calendar time is is a constant. Calendar time to delivery. This is cycle time. Okay. Let's say you and I are working on, on the same thing and we can continuously, the two of us working together, we can continuously put, push out this widget in a day. Can we bring that down sooner to a half a day? Or And or can we figure out a way to say that we don't need both of us on it? Calendar time. How is, I get that. How is that different from the third thing you said though? Oh, engineering time. The biggest difference between engineering time and calendar time? That, that one's easy, and you should know this. That's that's the delay time. That's the time where the where the work is sitting and doing nothing. It's not moving forward. It's sit idle. It's the equivalent. Of Aren't soft- those two part of the same thing? No. No. Like you and I may have delay in our widget delivery. I'm I'm all I and I get what you're talking about. But can it all be about just you, tightening feedback loops? Uh, I don't know how you brought feedback loops in here, but calendar time, think of it this way. Let's say you are working on two projects. Yeah. Okay. You can't, uh, you are working on two coding projects. Right. It is, phys- you are physically enabled to you work correct. on bo- both of those at the same time. Okay. So when you stop working on one, that is adding a delay in the calendar time for that one because it's going to go out later. All right. Okay. 
So, so uh, if you think about it in terms of theory of constraints, one of the uh, one of the key things, in addition to bottlenecks, they they advertise is you you analyze and you root cause. Uh, this is actually Reinerson's book is the best way of thinking yeah, of this. Yeah, that's what I've been visualizing the whole time you've been talking. You you go and you look at his discussion around whip. Yep. Discovering transparency and rooting out the sources of delay in your system speeds up your ability to produce widgets in a faster calendar time without impacting engineering time. Okay. I get it. One's about optimizing. It's about optimizing two different parts of the system. Yes. Okay. And I, I just look at them all collectively as optimize the whole damn system. Well, that's important. That's important. All right. Um, okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I think, uh, again, uh, Reinertson plug is always good here. So, yeah. All right. DevOps, Agile, Parallels, whatever, and a mailbag. I think we did well this time. Yay. So, next next Friday, you're getting shot number two, right? I am. Yay. Uh, yeah, that this... Potentially this time in one week, I will be in the fetal position someplace in the Pacific Northwest so- <laughs> sobbing. So I, my timing on mine is really bad. I talked, I was not laughing with my team about this. So my second, so we have the, we have a four day weekend Any, at Unity. Uh, anytime there's a three day weekend, like for Memorial Day, they go ahead and give us the previous Friday off, and make it a four day weekend. So they actually just gave us some more Fridays off this summer, which is great. We're taking getting some extra time off. But this four-day weekend, at the end of it, on the Tuesday afterwards, I get my second shot. They have the four-day weekend and then miss a day probably after that. Almost, as you know, almost everybody feels like crap the, after the second shot. But the good news is it's like a flu without the congestion. And mo- for most people, most people get that. And most people, it goes away within a day. But we'll see what happens. And yours is when Memorial? Uh, June first. Okay. So I should be good to go by Friday. We'll learn about my uh, two thing. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We'll learn about <laughs> mine. <laughs> and recovered. Yep. All right. We should call it a day, man. Alrighty. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time on AB DevOps. <laughs> Testing. Checking. Whatever. Checking. Yeah, that one. See ya. Rock and roll.